Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. This is Hannah Leiter, your host, and I'm happy to be back. If you listened to last week's episode, you may have noticed the host had a slightly different voice. Uh, My colleague Dave Stanton did host in my place in that reprised episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, I definitely recommend it. It was on consumer trends. Uh, My biggest takeaway was the fact that GFK Consumer Life started tracking cord cutting in the 80s. Just for reference, Netflix started doing online streaming in 2007. So if that doesn't prove the power of trends and forecasting, I don't know what does. In today's episode, we are joined by three guests that are all, if you guessed it from the episode title, influencers. Today, we are diving into the world of B2B influencers and the power decision makers have in business. Joining me today is Rachel Miller, Global Influencer Marketing Lead at SAP. Rachel has over 15 years of experience in marketing with expertise in social media marketing, content marketing, and influencer marketing. Her social strategies have achieved global recognition. We also have Evan Christel, Digital Chief Evangelist and co-founder of Avira Health, and the social media business strategist of ucstrategies.com. Evan has over 30 years of experience, is one of the top 10 influencers and enterprise industry insiders with a combined social media following of a whopping 500,000. Lastly, we have GFK Consumer Life's Yola Burnett joining us. You may know her from some of our past episodes as a trends expert with over 15 years of experience, but what you may not know, and she will probably deny it. She is also a B2B influencer herself. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for having us, Hannah. Good to be here. Very happy to be here. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, it's it's great to have such a big group here in the virtual recording room today. Now, before we get into all the questions, I would love to just start off by going down the line and just hearing any sort of a fun story that you guys might have from being in this influencer world. Yola, do you want to start us off? Uh, you are right. I do not consider myself an influencer whatsoever. <laughs> I, I totally am not, you know, <laughs> um, not as uh, kind of like Rachel and Evan here. But a fun story is uh, just joined Clubhouse not too long ago. And this morning at breakfast, I was trying to explain what Clubhouse is all about. Um, so I gave him my phone, opened the app and say, here, join this. You'll be able to listen to this podcast, um, kind of which is happening live. As it turns out, there were kind of few people in it and they immediately added me to the stage, welcomed me and asked me questions, which was before coffee. I totally wasn't ready for that. So we were both a bit horrified (laughs) as to what just happened. Um, so that's kind of a, a fun, you know, not necessarily B2B influencer story, but yeah, a new platform. Ah, so your your son is already an influencer. He's already gotten a taste of it. Oh, he was late for school this morning. <laughs> what about you, Evan? Well, I think the best thing about social media is meeting new people. I've met some of the best people I've ever met through social interactions. One of my favorite uh, sort of personal business heroes is Michael Dell. And I actually met him at a Dell World event years ago oh. in Austin and had a chance to like have a quick 
six second conversation. But I asked him, do, do you tweet? Do you do your own Twitter? And he said, yeah. And he does it himself. It's all his own point of view and perspective. You know, there's no PR, no no marketing involved, quite to the consternation of their the team there, I bet. But, you know, what a great anecdote about how business leaders are taking the reins on social media these days. And now, of course, there are many stories of folks like Michael who are really putting putting themselves out there. But that was a fun uh, connection at the time. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you, Rachel? So I'm going to echo Yolo because I have a clubhouse story. Um, apparently there's another Rachel Miller who talks about marketing. And I just joined Clubhouse actually yesterday, but a couple weeks ago, my LinkedIn inbox was blowing up with people um, requesting to connect and letting me know how great I was on Clubhouse. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> but I joined and there is, there's a wonderful lady called Rachel Miller who talks about growth hacking and Facebook advertising. So there's my doppelganger is uh, really popular on Clubhouse. Wow. Now, <laughs> have you guys connected then you and your count your doppelganger? I have not. I didn't know if that would be weird. I'm like, I've been hearing wonderful things about you, <laughs> but maybe I will. It'll be a good icebreaker. I just want to start us off, which I think is just important to reflect, especially with what a different year the past year has been, of course. So what overall has changed in the last year when it comes to the influencer marketing space? Yeah, so essentially, it seems like when you think about the past year and where we were a year ago today, it seems like a light years away. We, we live in a completely different world, right? The pandemic has accelerated a lot of trends, pushing everyone online, you know, including us attending virtual conferences, presenting at virtual conferences, contributing to them. And it seems like people are searching for information and looking to experts, but there is a sea of misinformation and not everybody, not everything you see on social media, you know, is true. So there is this desire now more than ever to seek guidance from trusted sources and especially experts. And in a way, you know, thinking about B2B influencers, they are experts in their field for the most part. So, you know, there was another trend that we have been seeing is that there was a significant slowdown in investment in the beginning of the pandemic and many of the marketing spend. Uh, then it picked up a little bit later in the year. Uh, but I think the messaging is also changing, that there is a little bit more focus on kind of values and relationships versus just talking about the product and, and trying to kind of, you know, speak to the product itself. So, yeah, influencer marketing is definitely now a different kind of animal compared to just a year ago. Yeah, so it's it's been a sea change. I mean, I've noticed personally, anecdotally, that the level of real engagement from human beings on social is skyrocketed. It's not just about marketing and uh, buzz building and hype, but people are really investing their personal time and attention and professional time on social. You know, before the pandemic, the idea of a CEO or CXO actually vesting her personal thought and attention on social media was kind of unheard of. Everyone was too busy traveling around and on airplanes, but I'm really seeing that interest, uh, you know, accelerated. I also think there's a real move towards grassroots movements on social. I mean, even beyond 
politics, but in the business and B2B space, organizations uh, and, and trends and grassroots movements like the move towards telemedicine through the hashtag telemed now has, has kind of sprung up and there are physicians and doctors and nurses and, and practitioners and, and others who are active on social and forming connection and community in ways that is not at all artificial. And, and so it's really good to see that human touch in action during the pandemic on, on social in a way that really wasn't there to the same degree. From a brand and marketing point of view, how are B2B influencers different from B2C influencers? And what's the audience look like? Is it very different? So I think that the biggest difference um, between B2B and B2C influence is it is indeed in the audience because in the B2C space, you know, it is still people, but it's people at work. And a lot of times you're in, trying to influence somebody who is either a decision maker or has the power to uh, influence the decision maker in your workplace. I mean, it also depends on you know, what your marketing campaign is about, right? It is about, is it about somebody making a decision or is it about building brand awareness? Because there are different kind of um, objectives for your marketing campaign. But I think that uh, for the B2B uh, influencer space, it is still about who your audience is and it's essentially the people at work. Uh, and one thing I wanted to highlight, just if you have a campaign that is focused on, you know, tracking some of these decision makers, we have to remember that they are people too, right? And, you know, they could be in different markets, they have a different set of values, and we track what's called values or the key guiding principles in your life that give your life meaning. That's affected not only by your upbringing, your your position, your way you are in your life, uh, but that there are also some cultural differences that you have to kind of keep an eye on. Um, and, you know, those have impact on their attitudes, their behaviors and the decisions that they're making. So I think it's also important to understand in the B2B space, like who your audience is, to be honest. Uh, and I, I would say that that's kind of the key difference from B2C influencers. Um, also, B2C influencers could be you know, kind of the key difference is that you could have like pop stars or icons, you know, or somebody who just becomes popular, whereas in the B2B space, uh, these are typically experts or people who are really knowledgeable in the field who garner a lot of respect in the industry um, to be able to influence and, um, you know, um, either decisions or build great brand awareness, awareness associated with, uh, you know, the person and the brand. Yeah, I would just kind of echo B2C influencer marketing tends to be very transactional. Um, and it works. You can pull in Addison Ray for you know a one-time thing, and it could move the needle for you. But the B two B space, it's more programmatic. You need to partner with someone who's going to have a long-term relationship with your target audience. Versus you know throwing someone's celebrity face um, to endorse your product is probably going to turn people off versus turn them on. Yeah, as as an influencer, personally, I'm not trying to sell a product. There's no click to buy. There's no landing page where you know, buy this now. It really is working with a company like Intel or Qualcomm or Citrix. It's it's really about thought leadership and education and sharing insights and uh, the marketplace. And that's what's important in terms of thought leadership, not so much buying or selling or even marketing a particular product. So if I'm looking to do some B2B influencer marketing, 
what would be the biggest purpose to do it? Is it brand awareness, just getting that thought leadership out there? Or is there more to it? It can be either. I mean, it kind of depends on what your goals are. You can completely do a brand awareness campaign. You can do lead gen um, referrals. I mean, it kind of really depends on what business value you're trying to derive from the campaign. Um, but yeah, influencers uh, are very effective with B2B because no one wants to look at a, you know, an old white guy in a blue suit telling you how great their product is. You'd rather hear from someone who looks like you, but you want to be them to be relatable. It's like, oh yeah, that's my pain point and you're offering a solution. Um, it's much more believable than it's, you know, from a brand spokesperson, in my opinion. No offense, Evan. <laughs> no, I, I given up my blue suit long ago, but look, the, the, um, the goals are diverse. I mean, many companies are going after brand others. It's around a specific product launch or campaign. Others, it's more about community building and advocacy. Others have very, very narrow targets. Like I want, uh, you know, the FCC to become aware of my, you know, uh, uh, spectrum position and how can I influence the journalists and analysts around the telecom spectrum world. So there are as many different goals as there are opinions or people. So it's never really one thing. So let's say that I've, we're doing the influencer marketing. We want to get some lead gen out there, some brand awareness. Uh, how could a brand get more out of the influencer engagement? Are there a lot of mistakes people tend to make or things that people tend to overlook when they're doing this? I think in B2B specifically, we overbrand everything. Um, so you partner with someone to collaborate. You know, they're talking um, hopefully organically about your product or solution, but then you slap all your logos on it. It looks just like a big billboard for whatever brand you happen to be. And that doesn't resonate because it looks like you're selling people on something. Um, when you collaborate with someone more transparently and allow them to, you know, talk about your company in their own words, non-branded, it's way more effective um, in my experience versus like, hey, we're SAP. <laughs> <laughs> I see that as a little bit of difference right there as Yola was kind of mentioning with B2B versus B2C because I think B2C sometimes that's a big thing for influencers to just say, hey, I'm working with this amazing brand. Check out this brand. Check out this brand. But you have to be almost a little more incognito or natural, more organic when you do it to B2B. At least that's what I'm getting from you guys and your answers. Yeah, I think it's the authenticity play. Because um, as we've seen, you know, celebrities, like one day they're with Coke and the next day they're with Pepsi. And we're kind of just used to that. But that doesn't fly as well in B2B when someone's like clearly a spokesperson for one brand and then they're like talking about a competitor the next day. It's kind of like, well, how do I know what you're actually believing? Are you just pay to play? Um, so I think you do need to be a little bit more considerate. So this is a question for all of you guys. What do you guys think is the secret sauce in a B2B influencer campaign? Do you guys have any good examples of campaigns you've done in the past? Well, it's clearly Evan. He's the secret sauce. <laughs> I'm not sure I have any secrets, but I, I would say it's, it's really multimodal and multi-platform. You know, how can you get, tell your story in audio form, in video form, in written word, spoken word? you know, on, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on, uh, clubhouse, uh, Instagram. And so, you know, too often we pigeonhole B2B as being LinkedIn when in fact there are many platforms, Quora, Reddit, where B2B has significant legs and reach. And how can you get your content in a meaningful way across those platforms with different players? And it's a pretty diverse world, including, you know, internationally, there are all kinds of niche platforms. And so, experimentation, I think, is is pretty key. 
I completely agree. You need to know your audience personas. And I don't think there is one blanket secret sauce because um, what works for one company will not work for another. So you really need to um, create your personas at all the different stages um, and kind of go, kind of work backwards, I guess, in many ways um, to create a really effective campaign. And I also think it's about kind of part of the secret sauce of the B2, you know, clear or B2B marketing campaign is also truly knowing what your objectives are and what it is you're trying to achieve, knowing your audience and then partnering with the right influencers. Um, because otherwise, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve? You know, if you just spit out a message there that is not tied to anything, is it going to be powerful? Probably not. Um, so again, speaking to this idea and then um, also, Rachel, you alluded to this, this idea of authenticity, you know, just really being yourself, not necessarily just being the voice and repeating the same message, but do you have a little bit of leeway to add a little bit of your own character and be yourself, right? I think that's also a little bit of the secret sauce in building these relationships versus, you know, the B2C kind of being transactional. Um, I think that's very important as well. Are the measurements different for B2B influencing? Because of course, with B2C, like you said, Rachel, you know, they might be saying, come buy this product, um, have some sort of coupon code and, and a, a brand can measure how effective that person was in selling something. But of course, that's not exactly how B2B goes. So what are, what do you usually look for in terms of KPIs and benchmarks to see if it was successful? Uh, I think in B2B influencer marketing, we're a little bit more definitive about the KPIs that we choose because at the end, if it doesn't drive business value, did it work? Um, so I think things like if it's um, it's click-throughs, it's time on page, it's um, people filling out forms and taking calls, um, less than likes and hearts and retweets, which are lovely, and we still obviously calculate them, but we really want to see, like, did we move the needle, needle for the business? Um, and that's where we um, determine success or failure. And many times you're trying to tap into quite niche communities and these aren't mass market communities. These could be thousands uh, of, of, of folks who are interested in Kubernetes development or you know, in private 5G networking. So you're not trying to boil the ocean. These are very niche targeted communities of interest and uh, you can have a massive impact in those smaller communities. So the riches are really in the, these, these kind of niches when it comes to uh, B2B marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I mean, that kind of goes with too the whole concept of nano influencers and how that's become very popular. I know I read re recently, I read an article about how over half of brands prefer to work with them because they do have a more niche community. Yeah, more niche. So yes, they are, they're more focused and they're way more engaged. Um, right. Shockingly so in many ways. Um, and they're proud to be an expert in their field and they want to talk about it. They're passionate about the topic um, versus people who are often more generalists, they have larger footprints, but they're not really, again, it's driving that conversation that moves the needle. Man, I've said needle a lot in this last five minutes. <laughs> Did you get your vaccine yet? Is that I was going to say that, have you? <laughs> I haven't, maybe it's why. Yeah. Subconsciously on your mind. <laughs> when are you getting the jab? I'm just kidding. <laughs> March 12th, that's my date, my D-date. So oh, wow, that's great. Despite what some people might say, Yola, I want to make no mistake to anyone listening that there is quite a lot of B2B influencing power on the podcast right now. 
Now, as of this morning, when I stalked all of you guys on Twitter, Yola, you had 38.1 thousand followers. Rachel, you had 60.3 thousand followers. And Evan, you had close to 300,000 followers. And this is on Twitter alone. So this is not including LinkedIn or Facebook or anywhere else where you guys have a following. So just on that platform, you guys all together sitting on this podcast amount to almost 400,000 pairs of eyes plus whatever you have on other ones. I mean, that's incredible. So here's the question. I want to know how you guys got into the B2B influencing space and really gained that following. Uh, it's a completely unhealthy obsession. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't spend this much time on social media. It really is unhealthy. And people like me who spend, you know, seven days a week for 13 years, you know, it's it's not advisable. But, you know, uh, it's it's just time and effort. There's no, like, uh, you, you know, silver bullet. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I tweet a lot. Um, I think that's, you've got to be active on the platform uh, to create your own little community and to attract people to the conversations that you're having. Um, and just engaging cannot be um, underestimated. You can't just be shouting at people. You need to jump into what other people are saying, add your insights, um, and have them be unique insights. Like, don't just echo what somebody else said or, good job, you know, come in with a, you know, your honest opinion on a topic and people will start to follow back. Right. I, I mean, part of the beauty of it is, is making those connections with people and having exchanging ideas and sharing articles together, kind of you learning from them and you educate them. I think there is a power in that. So I, I really enjoy that. And Evan, you're a tweet machine for sure. <laughs> well, there are, there are tricks and tactics and there is some automation you can use or some tools and, and things that can help. Uh, and I do scheduling and other things. So um, you know, there's a lot of best practices behind the whole B2B marketing effort that aren't at all obvious to someone who maybe just joined Twitter. No, that's a really good point. Um, I'm a huge fan of automating the content that I curate, and that does free up a lot of your time to engage, which is the most important piece. How do you find the right partnership? You know, how do you find that company as an influencer that you really believe in and also looking at the other side how are companies looking for those influencers that really match their brand fit is important i mean i i've spent 30 years in telecom and enterprise tech so you know it's companies in that space where i have credibility and a perspective and uh, two cents to share i'm not out there uh, with my own beauty products so that that wouldn't make sense <laughs> But, but, you know, it's, it's, it's where there is that fit and it has to be two way. I mean, I'm excited and as intrigued as interested in my clients solutions and roadmaps as they are enthusiastic. So it's a, that fit really has to come together. And I think I'll chime in from the brand side. Um, there's a lot of manual effort that goes into correctly identifying an influencer that you want to work with. Um, I always say that I stalk people for a living and, um, I know the name of your dog before I reach out to you. So we've done our due diligence for sure. Um, we found you everywhere. We know who you're talking to, what you're talking about. So we're pretty confident when we go into a discovery call, uh, if it's going to go well or not. Um, but yeah, there's, there's tools that can help you identify, but there's really, you need to kind of just get down and dirty, go to the platforms natively and see what's actually going on. What are your thoughts on engaging employees as a brand ambassador? Is this a do or a don't? Well, this is a very, very tricky one because honestly, 
you know, your social media space is, is your space. You can build your brand awareness. But I think at the same time, your employees can be, you know, the best brand ambassadors because they know the product, they know the company. If they're very passionate about it, just like I am about GFK and sharing all the content from GFK, engaging your employees or giving them the option to do so is great, not making them do so. Yes, I will double down on employee advocacy cannot be forced. Um, you want your employees to be your biggest fans, but forcing them to tweet about your product or service is not going to work, so it won't be authentic um, and can have a really horrible backfire effect. Um, but I've created employee advocacy programs and they can be a massive success. Yeah, in particular, you know, the C-suite. I'm, I'm still shocked and amazed at how many C-suite leaders are not out there advocating and talking about the business and, and embarrassingly, even in the marketing side, how many marketing leaders or, or marketing folks just aren't active evangelists for their brand. And that really is, uh, from my perspective, kind of career, you know, suicide, not being out there active on social and participating in this whole uh, landscape. Uh, there's just so much to absorb and learn and, and contribute. And, uh, you know, should be part of everyone's MBOs now on the marketing front. Right. If you can't trust in your own products, how can anybody else? You also don't want to just be the voice of a company and sound like a pre-recorded message. Um, I think there needs to be a little bit more leeway to being able to either hop on on live or something and, and say something interesting uh, or share an insight versus, you know, sounding like a corporate pre-recorded message. I mean, you, you don't want to do that. Right. The trend of authenticity. I think that's if you get any takeaway from this podcast, I think that's it right there. We've beaten it to death, but it's more true than ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking ahead. What is the future of B2B influencer marketing? Where is it all heading? And do you guys think that one day B2B could look something like what B2B or sorry, B2C influencer marketing currently looks like? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm all for Evan getting paid a million dollars to post on Instagram, but I don't think it's going to be truly effective to uh, move the needle for his clients. Um, no, I think there's something really special about B2B influencer marketing, and it is a truly collaborative effort from the brand and the influencer. And I hope that stays the same. Um, but it is exciting, like with the new platforms coming up, there's new opportunities to create unique content, tell your story in fun ways. So it's it'll continue to grow for sure. But I do hope that, and I'm going to drop the word again, the authenticity remains, because I think that's what really adds the most value to B2B influencer marketing. I agree. And in terms of um, exactly what you to elaborate on what you said about the new platforms popping up, how that conversation might change and how the engagement might change, just even thinking about Clubhouse, like how is it going to be different? You know, you have uh, a post on LinkedIn or uh, make a Facebook Live, but then you actually have this podcast live kind of going on where you can engage with your audience, when you can engage with CEOs of companies and kind of, you know, build relationships, but also show, um, you know, your expertise, showcase your expertise right then, right then. I think that also changes the dynamic a little bit. Yeah, and I think the, the fastest growing market in tech is the sort of business to business to consumer side of the market. So whether it's Google and its collaboration tools, which extend right to the consumer or Microsoft Teams, which has 
consumer versions and products and office. It's not as easy as B2B or B2C anymore. There's a whole gray area and engaging us uh, as sort of professional consumers in a smart way also can make sense for a lot of brands. Right. It's funny how sometimes you almost don't realize, but anyone in B2B is also in B2C. They, they are one in the same in a sense. It's just one of them is nine to five and one isn't. So before we close this out, I just want to hear from all of you guys as a trends expert, social media manager, or B2B influencer, what is the best advice that you can give to those who are or want to be utilizing influencer marketing? Well, listen to this podcast, duh. <laughs> right? Just do it. I mean, there's just no questions about it that it's, uh, you know, in having your marketing strategy, I think this complements your whole, you know, process or goal. I think that um, it's just very important to have. And maybe, I don't know, Rachel or Evan, if you have anything else to add, but I think it's very, very important because people are spending a lot more time online and it's, it's about building these relationships and and sharing the word of mouth in an authentic way. Again, we said that word again, but it's just so powerful. I mean, there's just no question about it, how powerful that is. And that's here to stay. So absolutely needs to be there. Yeah. I mean, I definitely just do it for sure. Um, but do your homework as well. Do your research, uh, know your target audience and have an end goal in mind. You need to know what a win looks like. Otherwise, you're just going to be throwing money out there. Um, so, yeah. Know what the business value is, do your homework on who you want to collaborate with, and then just go for it. Yeah, and learn to be a practitioner. Don't just read about Clubhouse in the Wall Street Journal or read the headlines about what's happening at Twitter or LinkedIn, but you know, get hands-on and roll up your sleeves and 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 engage on these platforms. You can learn way more doing that than kind of reading, you know, best practices uh, you know, in an article. So really important to dive right in. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, Rachel, Evan, and Yola for joining me today on this Thinking Ahead episode. If anyone would like to get in touch with any of them, ask a question, or follow their platforms, I will leave some links in the description. Also, if you want a more in-depth look at influencer marketing, I also suggest that you read Yola's ebook, which she failed to mention. It's called Influencer Playbook. Uh, it's completely free on the GFK website, and I will leave a link to that one as well. Thank you all again for such a great conversation. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.